Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast, hosted by Brooke and Farron. Your personal growth matters, and we're here to help. Go. All right, episode 29. This is our Daring Greatly mini mini series. This is the second episode of the mini series. It covers chapter one, which is titled Scarcity Looking Inside Our Culture of Never Enough. Yes, so she gives a great definition of scarcity in the book. Um, we, there, a lot of times throughout the book, she'll give her definition based off of her research. So we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, but I know a lot of times scarcity is the feeling of, like she says, there's not enough. Like I either don't have enough time with you, so I'm hoarding all my moments with you, or I'm not letting you go do other things. Like that could be an example of scarcity. If you think of most of your excuses, those would be scarcities, mm-hmm. right? Like what? Not enough money, not enough energy, not enough time. Energy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's not enough coffee in the world. That's true. <laughs> never enough. It makes me think of that Greatest Showman song where she's like, never enough, but hitting all the high notes makes her voice hurt. Ginny oh. Lind. Yeah. Here for one night. I have to admit, I've never seen that movie. I know. What? I know. <laughs> You've never seen Greatest Showman? No. It's so good. That's what I hear. That's what I've been told. I can't talk Jacob. Hugh into Jackman it. and Zephron? Yeah. That doesn't encourage Jacob to. Starting it off. Jenny Lind. She's pretty. Yeah. But that's not her real name. That's her character name. I don't know her real name. But she's in a Chris Hemsworth movie. MIB, international, whatever. I happen to watch all the MIBs. <laughs> Men in <It's> Black. <laughs> yes, for you lay people. <laughs> it's Men in Black. <laughs> not common knowledge? Okay. Okay. Noted. <laughs> Carry on. Not that I count, but okay. Scarcity. <laughs> I don't know how we got there. <laughs> Greatest showman. Got us off track. Okay, so scarcity and our culture of never enough. Yes. So she talks about how she's interviewed. Again, Brene Brown is a researcher. She's done lots of interviews over the last 20 years, two mm-hmm. decades, 20 years for my non-math friends. And she said what she's found is that we have a commonality. Lots of different people, age ranges, backgrounds, and one thing that we have in common is that we're tired of feeling afraid, and we all want to be brave. Yeah, I love it. Everyone wants to be a Gryffindor, except for the ones who just want to be a Slytherin, or the people who are like, uh, no, I'm too smart for Gryffindor, I'm going to be a Ravenclaw, and then the Hufflepuffs. So we're all Hufflepuff, Hufflepuffs wanting to be Gryffindors, is what you're saying. No, I know some Gryffindors who don't want to be Gryffindors, they want to be Slytherins. You know who I'm talking to. (laughs) It's fine. <laughs> this podcast is not about movies or but well, books, but not fictional books. Well, maybe we could. Yes, please. Yeah, I would love to talk all things Harry Potter. But that's not why we're here tonight. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but here, let's talk about something else trendy. She points out in this chapter, too, about how music has changed recently. Mm-hmm. So... Over the course of the past 20 years, like she said, even the past 10 years from 2009 to 2019, we have become more traumatized, just things we're experiencing or speaking out about, or it's been generational and the cycle has just broken kind of thing. 
Um, she talks about how the music over time has transferred from us and we, so using the word us, using the word we, and starting to use the words I and me. So, for example, just listen to any song on the radio and see how many times it says I or me or my mm-hmm. versus we or ours or us. Yeah. So she said that's been, I mean, it seems like something so subtle, but at the same time, if music is playing in, I mean, I have songs stuck in my head all the time. So that's, I've mentioned on the podcast before, I've had to switch what music I listen to because I love music and it just gets in my soul. So I have to be careful there, which again, that's not me being high and mighty. That's me showing you a very big weakness of mine. I can't listen to fun songs. Way to be vulnerable, Brooke. <sighs> Jesus so is vulnerable. fun. Jesus is fun. I'm sorry. Good Jesus songs. You're right. You're right. There are. There are a lot of great Jesus songs. There's one out there that makes us clap on the way to school every morning. And so me and my girls call it the clapping song because. How's it go? I don't know. (laughs) When you when you find it, let us know. Okay. If you could see us right now, we're both having a great time on this. You can see us. Go check it out. Podcast on our uh, YouTube. Yep. We got one of those YouTube things. Oh my gosh. On the YouTubes. Move over, Jojo Siwa. Is that her name? She's pretty awesome. Yes, but my kids don't know that person. My kids lightly know that because I don't can't leave them on YouTube unattended. Ah. And I prefer giving them activities that general. you can like send them away. Ah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> There's not many out there. There's not many. Go clean your room. No, Great. you did it wrong. Let me do it. <laughs> <laughs> do it the right way. Uh, So she breaks down this chapter one into three sections, looking at narcissism through the lens of vulnerability, scarcity, and the source of scarcity. Yep. So the first one talks about um, the word narcissism. And again, that word can mean lots of different things to lots of different people. Um, So we want to be sure to put it in context. So um, in this chapter, she says, when I look at narcissism through the vulnerability lens, I see the shame-based fear of being ordinary. I see the fear of never feeling extraordinary enough to be noticed, to be lovable, to belong, or to cultivate a sense of purpose. Sometimes the simple act of humanizing problems sheds an important light on them, a light that often goes out the minute a stigmatizing label is applied. So that is important. Talking about this label, this word narcissism, um, it's important to understand the definition she's working with. I feel like the quote you just read is so packed full yeah. of information. People, what did it say? People are, they don't want to feel, they're not wanting to go unnoticed. Well, before that, a shame-based fear. Okay. Shame-based so shame-based fear. Because it's a fear of not feeling extraordinary enough, not for celebrity status, but for what I feel like are basic. That boy won't even notice me. That boy doesn't even know I exist. How many times does a middle schooler say that? High schooler say that? <laughs> Yeah. Wife, say that. Yeah. <laughs> Just, they want to be loved, they want to belong, and they want to have purpose. And I think... Everyone can relate to that. Non-narcissistic people. Yeah, want everybody wants too. to be loved. Everybody wants to belong. If you don't feel that, you're lying. Yeah. And then everybody wants to feel... What was the third thing? I have a purpose. Yeah. And we're all... Guess what? You're all built to be loved. You are loved. Just so you know. Hey, hey, Jesus. And then the second thing, you want to belong. You... Belong the family of God. There you go. And then you have a purpose. Once you become a Christian, your purpose is to bring others. Recruit. 
Yes. <laughs> recruiting. Recruiting, 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 College as Paul Burns software. would say. Yeah. <laughs> Don't lose the recruit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Where'd they go? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I do admire that she wants us to remember that, you know, there are some terrible behaviors out there and not that the behaviors are okay, but just a reminder to look at the um, purpose behind it. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you're addressing the behaviors, it's kind of like if you think getting rid of weeds is like pulling the green leafy part, but leaving right. the root, like yeah. you're not, the weed's just going to keep Great analogy. Back. That makes me think of, again, back to the Enneagram, it's the whole motivation behind what you're doing. Like if you are acting in a narcissistic way, whether you're posting a million selfies, okay, are you judging your worth off of how many likes you're getting because people do that because they want a sense of worthiness and belonging. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, you, you gotta, we talked about this a lot of times, knowing the truths, like the biblical truths versus what the world is telling you. Mm -hmm. So your worth is found in Christ. Yep. Which is hard, easier said than done. (sighs) Yeah. But I also want to get at least seven likes on this picture. Right. (laughs) Like it's seven times. Just think of what, you know, someone in the 1800s, like we said, how do you know that you're loved and valued? They probably wouldn't have said, I have 17,000 followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that'd be interesting. Mm All righty. So then it goes into what? Uh, it talks about, okay, so here there, she asks some questions for us to kind of think about while reading the book or while doing the book study. Um, so how does culture influence our behaviors? Which that one, you got to, you know, be real with yourself to say that it doesn't impact you. Uh, you I mean, just take a even, look. even the music, music right there, an example. Clothing. So how does culture influence our behaviors? I think even on a subconscious level, so consciously and subconsciously. Mm-hmm. And the next question she asks, how do we use our behaviors to protect ourselves? So that could mean, so protect could mean a couple different ways. It could mean like, how are you putting a wall up, not showing any emotion, you're stonewalling, you're hiding, um, you're setting too too thick of boundaries. Like if the, the wall is too thick, we have to break through. Or is it precautionary for safety? So, again, not just looking at the behaviors, but the motivations behind it. And then, is your behavior fulfilling a need to feel worthy? Oh, gosh. So, I think a lot of times we struggle with the where do, where do we belong? What are we supposed to do with our lives? Why am I here? What is my purpose? I think all of that can be answered by the whole Jesus thing. Mm-hmm. So, again, on this side of it, it's a no-brainer. Um, but there have been times where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing in life, or this is a really big valley. I think it's actually a hole. I'm actually in the abyss. I don't know how to get myself out. I need Bruce Willis to come down in his little machine, come get me. And then if you haven't seen the abyss, then never mind. <laughs> I haven't seen that one either. It's a good one. Well, and I think there's also still people that, you know, uh, Christians, but it's the and then what? Or Mm -hmm. you have two really good options, and it's like, is this what I want? Is this where God's calling me? How do I... Am I hearing what I want to hear? Yeah. Am I praying to God for what I want instead of praying with an open mind? So, um, yeah, feeling worthy. And then, dang, Jesus was so awesome. And then it's like, the what would Jesus do bracelets and (laughs) 
man, I'm not worthy of God's grace. Oh my gosh, how much? Because we're not. And worthy of God's forgiveness. Because we're not. And the Bible says you're right. <laughs> you're right, you're not. But, but good thing God's I sent a guy. Yeah. I know a guy. <laughs> There's this guy. Sent him. Yeah. You recently had a birthday party for him. <laughs> anyway. You were there. <laughs> you were there, you would know. Uh, Too much eggnog. Oh I don't like eggnog. I don't drink it either. I like just the chocolate. name of it. I mean, it just—I think that's probably the deterrent. Yeah, egg drinking. Well, I think of Gaston. Yes, <laughs> I've seen that movie. Good four, does it? Thank you. Beauty and the Beast. Yep. Be the size of a ball. We are all over in this one today. Yeah. It's some deep, heavy stuff. So I think what we're doing, our behavior. Oh yes. Analyze us, Brene Brown. We're protecting ourselves. Analyze us. Oh, that. Yeah, I will straight up tell you that's the truth for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so we want to feel worthy by making you laugh at us or with us. Oh gosh, preferably uh, with us. Yeah. I mean, if we're laughing. <laughs> As long as we're laughing and they're laughing, it's with us technically, right? I love it. Okay. All right. So and the other part in the book, in the middle chunk of the chapter uh, about scarcity. Oh, I was going to tell you all an anecdote. I have recently struggled with scarcity, and I would not have had this vocab word had I not read this book about mm-hmm. a, a couple months ago. So I, for some reason, like I felt like... It was, hunting season was just ending, me and Morgan were tooth trains passing in the night, kind of thing, and I just felt like I wasn't... Ships. <laughs> Ships passing in the night. I always use trains. Two oh, trains going, loud. trains going by in the middle of the night. Do you guys, toot toot. I do. <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure what you meant by that, but Two I meant... Ships passing in the night. You can be trains. I always use trains. Okay, be trains. Two trains in the middle of the night, just whew. Not, not like quiet, but as in like, hi bye. Oh, okay, so you actually can. So we do to to say hello, hello. Gotcha. <laughs> but it's more of like <laughs> <laughs> this. It's gone too far. It's derailed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh! All that to say. Yes. It wasn't quality time when you did. It was just oh, tag. Look at you with the love language. Yes, tag it was tag. It was yeah. the adult version of tag yeah. where it's like, your turn to get the kids. I'm going to take a nap slash shower slash eat at the same time. Yeah, basic needs. <laughs> Try that. Yeah. Okay. So then, and I told him, I was like, Morgan, I feel like I'm struggling with scarcity with you. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah. I don't, I don't know why. I can't explain it. I don't, it doesn't make sense in my head, but that's what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, good job. Uh, so shout out to counselor. Hopefully you hear this, but uh, look at me feeling my feelings and putting vocab words with it. Yeah, and saying it. Ooh, so yeah. I'm trying to live the vulnerability. It's hard and challenging every day. Um, so we ended up, we had like a one, like a 36-hour trip, like a road trip to an event. And it was so great. So all that to say is... That, like that helped. <laughs> capitalized on that. Yes, more? we were we were super intentional because it was a few days leading up to it, and we were like, "All right, let's make the most of this thing that we have to go to." It was actually a really awesome time, so it was great. Yeah, it, it was very refreshing. So even just that thirty-six hour restart, mm-hmm. intentional, purposeful, 
one-on-one. We had someone with the kids so that we could be very intentional with our time. And we actually have a, we've, we are starting to plan another like quick little, maybe it'll be longer than 36 hours, <laughs> but something like that. So I, we, I don't think we realized the power of that until we actually experienced it. So yeah, if you need a tip, there's one. I like it. You were vulnerable sharing that you were feeling a scarcity in time yeah. with your husband. And I'm happy to hear, you know, then he was receptive to that and y'all made the most of it. Great. Thanks Great for summarizing stuff. my three minute long. But you know what happens when we get a little. <laughs> They're oh, not, yeah. all, not all the episodes are like this, but some of the best ones are. Um, you so, tell us. I mean, it's the truth. Okay. okay. <laughs> Double G. So, scarcity. You have a list in front of you in the book. So, this is what scarcity, you might not be able to figure out. I know I wasn't able to put together sentences with. Mm-hmm using scarcity we went through an exercise like this when we went to a personal development conference back in the summer Mm -hmm. so it was cool to see this here also so if multiple awesome people are doing this then it must be the right thing to do good enough for me so everybody else is doing it yeah yeah (laughs) jump off a cliff yeah so um just kidding we don't um, advise (laughs) we don't advise that (laughs) edit no (laughs) So it was kind of uncomfortable to read this because, yeah, when I hear scarcity, I think of like water is scarce in the desert or like Mm -hmm. the naked and afraid shows survival. I forget you watch that. Well, no, see, Jacob (laughs) watches it and I'm going to fall asleep anyways. And so I fall asleep to that. Uh, Bad dreams. So when I read this, it put it in a different, again, perspective, different reframed it for me I guess is the word I'm looking for so never blank enough and you're blank whatever goes in that blank um it might be different but it might be one of these she says never good enough never perfect enough never thin enough never powerful enough never successful smart certain safe extraordinary enough but man never safe enough yeah I can tell you I've worked with some kids that probably felt that oh for sure and as a kid, to never feel like that, I just, I hope the best for the trajectory into adulthood, but, oh. Just makes me think of the hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't feel safe enough, you can't get thin enough, smart enough, whatever enough, until you feel safe enough. Mm-hmm. So, it's almost like you need to go hierarchical with that. Yeah, and back to certain kids, their behaviors, it's protection. Oh, for sure. Yeah. If I can keep you at a distance and not be vulnerable at all, then I'm safer that way. Yep. If I say something, you're going to separate me from my brother. Like, why would I want that? Yeah. Or my mom left. I don't want to get close to you because you're going to leave me too. Yep. A new teacher next year. Mm-hmm. What a, I'm going to mm-hmm. lose you, lose you, lose you, lose you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whew. Anyway, so scarcity, not in the sense of like Oregon Trail style. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but, you know. Some really real life feelings. And if you think long enough about it, you do have something that's deep down in there where you're like, oh my gosh, I feel like, guys, you're not experienced enough. It might be that with job stuff or you're not high enough in the chain of command or whatever it is. Yeah. And as a leader, too. You're not qualified enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Because, I mean, those are things, and that that could be the devil talking to you, too. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're not qualified enough. Uh, yeah, I am. 
Do they call that imposter syndrome? Yes. Yes. Imposter syndrome. So clearly, if you're in that position or you've been elected to that position or someone hired you in that position and you feel like you've followed the footsteps or the, the roadmap God's given you, then all those whispers are lies. So combat it with the truth. Oh, man. And talking about mom guilt. Facts. Not a good enough mom. Yep. Yep. You don't play enough. Not a clean enough house. Yep. Not cooking healthy enough food. Not reading to your kid enough. Yes. I'll stop because we've got plenty of those. It's going through my head. (laughs) But Uh, there was another good example. Is that what you were going to say? Yes. Yes. They used a sleep analogy, so I didn't get enough sleep last night. Mm -hmm. And how many people wake up when their alarm goes off and they're like, I'm already tired. Only how many hours until I can go to bed, or uh-huh. how many when's nap time? Or mm-hmm. there's sometimes where I'm at work, I'm like, wow, in 12 hours I'll be awake again the next day. I'm like, man, I can't even get 12 hours of sleep. Uh, yeah, she references um, a writer, but well, a global activist and fundraiser named Lynn Twist, who's written a book called The Soul of Money, and that's where she talks about. Again, this is just a self-evaluation. If you're like, I don't believe in scarcity. I don't think with a scarce kind of mindset. Um, She talks about, again, as soon as you wake up, are you thinking you didn't get enough sleep? Do you not have enough time to get to work on time? Do you not have enough time to eat? Yeah. And then, so are you starting your day off consciously or subconsciously already losing at the day or lacking something and then do you go to bed at night thinking of all the things you didn't accomplish? And I know that really resonates with me. Um, and so, again, we want to make sure that you're working with definitions that we're using in this book and in, in right. our discussion. So, yeah, that's a good point um, to hit on again. Yeah, definitely have that self-evaluation, that humble talk with yourself to see if maybe you do have more of a scarce mindset than you think you do. I think if you dig deeper, we all, to some degree or another are feeling scarcity with something. Either personally, professionally. Yeah, something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She also talks about the comparison trap, which I think, again, to some degree, everybody falls on the scale somehow of of it, whether it's, oh, I, I wish I had enough money to have that car that Susie has, or it could be anything like, man, I wish I was, I could get all the clothes folded like yeah. this person does. So anything that is comparing... You should only compare yourself to you. Or did you do your best today? Great, you get a sticker. Was your best today less than yesterday, but it was still your best? Great, you get a sticker. I mean, I all we can do is our best. Yeah. I recently discovered this truth, like, all I can do is all I can do. And that made, that finally, I was able to put words to what I was feeling, like, I can't do anymore. Like, all I can do is all I can do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it, uh, making that, having that mindset gets you off the hook. Like, well, I see so-and-so doing something I wish I could do, mm-hmm. but um, I can't. Like, she right. just must have more of something, and that's why she can do it mm-hmm. instead. A Back lot to of the times, motivation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a level playing field. Everyone's mm-hmm. working with the same amount, you know, 24 hours in a day. Yep, yep. Yeah. And if that's not your gifting, something else is. Yeah, so use that as your strength. Um, she also talks in this section about nostalgia. So whenever I think of nostalgia, I always think of like the fun memories we had or remember that one time we had a fun time. Wasn't life easier before we had kids? So 
Well, and then and then we start going down that track, but then it makes me always think of what's his name, Uncle Tony and Napoleon Dynamite. He's like, yeah, if Coach would have put me in in the championship game, we would have won state, and I would have gotten a full ride, and I've been in the NFL and blah blah yeah. blah. I'm like, no, you wouldn't have. Number one, you don't get recruited to a D one school your senior year without ever hearing from anyone ever, yeah. and yeah. it's things are. Way set before the last, the championship game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You would know. You would know. Probably. It wasn't all depending on that. Yeah. Like that's lots all you could re- talk about. Yeah. There's lots of research out there that your memories are only like 50% accurate. What? Or maybe smaller than that. So write it down, people. Like, you got a journal every day. The way you would remember it, your brain fills in to make it more however you, whatever. So research it. What I was just thinking yesterday, I was telling Sloan a story because they ask, like, it's story time. And sometimes they'll say, we want to hear Cinderella. But then sometimes they want to hear a story about something that happened to them in the past. And they have no memory of it. They only have the memory of whatever I tell them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, what? This could get crazy. Like, if people, then you think of, like, The Giver or any of those fiction novels where it's like people have been told this one truth over the course of an extended amount of time, therefore they believe that that's what's real. Yeah. Like the village in Night Shyamalan. <laughs> well, the face book, when it does the little time hop or memories, the girls now, like Tori is seven and a half. And so she's like, I remember that. And I'm like, do you remember it? Or you remember that video? And she's like, that video. But, you know later she'll it'll be a memory to her but she doesn't remember when she was six months old and blown bubbles right right prodigy yes she does she's encouraged (laughs) the last part of chapter one talks about the source of scarcity yes so these uh there's three components of scarcity according Mm -hmm. to miss brene mrs brene brown uh shame comparison and disengagement. We've talked a lot about shame. We've talked a lot about comparison. Mm-hmm. And then the last one she talks about is disengagement. Oh, She talks about how um, it's easier to stay quiet uh-huh. and just remove yourself from the situation. Um, it's feeling like no one's paying any attention to you. Um, but you're okay with that. It's, it's kind of like the, not necessarily the opposite of the narcissistic stuff, but mm. just you're... You want to, if if being involved means you have to speak up or give your opinion or share something you don't want to share, then they will opt not to. Right. It's kind of also those people that don't make a choice. So they're like, ha ha, I chose not to choose. And right. Like, That's a choice. a choice. So, yeah, disengagement. Mm-hmm. We wanted to close the chapter by reading this one quote again. She's talking about culture so whether that's big country or small town or workplace all right they all share the same formula of shame comparison and disengagement scarcity bubbles up from these conditions and perpetuates them until a critical mass of people start making different choices and reshaping the smaller cultures they belong to so i thought it was interesting how everybody feels shame comparison and disengagement to certain degrees so if those decision makers start over time, shifting things around, the whole culture becomes different over the course of time. Or her research, 20 years, 
So just from when she started to now, it's so different because of those culture shifts. I feel like you, a lot of people can relate to that, especially like you said, the um, work culture. If in schools, if you get a new principal or yeah. in a workplace, if you get a new boss or if you are moved from, you know, working in mm-hmm. Houston to going and working, same company, but a different location, different yeah. people, yeah. Um, the culture can change. And I feel like people describe it as environment yeah. or staff morale. Mm-hmm. And so again, we're all using the same words here. <laughs> But this is how she would describe it, is using the word culture. Yeah. So that makes me think of the book, Lead Like a Pirate. Did you oh. ever, there's Teach Like a Pirate, but then there's Lead, Lead like, like a Pirate, and it's two reti- retired principals, I think, wrote this book. And it, uh, the thing that stuck with me through that one is get the right people on the ship. So whatever you're in charge of, you want to get the right people on the ship, which implies there are also wrong people on the ship. Mm-hmm. So over the course of time, like personalities will, um, they'll figure out, if they fit better in this area or this area. So it's a process to get the right people on the ship. And that doesn't happen in one year, two years. It might take a couple. So if you have just experienced a turnover, whether it's your company got bought out or any of those examples you just said, uh, just give it some time and see if it is a good fit for you or if there's something else. And sadly, sometimes it can be friends that have been friends for years or even family members that, they walk into the room, they show up to the family gathering, and the whole mood shifts because of, you know, again, their feelings of shame or comparison, mm-hmm. whether they, you know, bring out those emotions in you or they project right. those on everybody else in the room. So, yeah, back to surrounding yourself with wise counsel. So, toxic counsel versus wise counsel. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. So, that's chapter one. Yep. Of Brene Brown staring greatly. Next week we'll go over chapter two. So there's that. Yeah. I can tell you what chapter two is in just one second. Memorize the book. Ah, sorry. Okay, so again, we just wrapped up scarcity looking inside our culture of never enough. And chapter two coming up next week is debunking the vulnerability myths. So again, if the word vulnerability makes you uncomfortable or you have some preconceived notions about that, I think you'll find this chapter very interesting and have a little bit more buy-in to the rest of the book. For sure. Don't don't miss out on this mini-series if you have not listened to the next week's episode because, again, I think that's going to mindset shift you. Yeah. So, there we go. All right. What's my corny line going to be today? <laughs> I don't know. Make something up. It'll be great. I love it every time. It's always something about singing people and we don't see them. It's great. Oh, yes. <laughs> See you next week. (laughs) How original. So nice to see you tonight. See you next week. Yep, say them all. Bye. (laughs) That's my favorite. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Witty and Gritty podcast. Join us at wittyandgritty.blog where you can subscribe to our newsletter, check out our blog, and listen to more episodes. We're here to help you become your best self with a community that cares.